I mean, I'll, I'll never forget. I, I'll mention some, there were some guys I went over, friends of mine. I said, hey, you know, we got all these well. I said, I'm just a nervous wreck. You know, we've got, at the time, 18 cement pumps out. And I lay down at night and I don't know what's going to happen. They said, well, your problem is, is you need to lay down at night and think about how much money you're making. <laughs> Not what's going to happen. Said, well, pretty good perspective, yeah. I guess. <laughs> On today's episode of The Climb, Bob and I are joined by my good friend, David Crombie, Chief Operating Officer of Nine Energy, from humble beginnings in Jacksboro, Texas, to the oil fields of Saudi Arabia, he has definitely lived the climb. His wife used one word to describe him, and that was devoted. Listen to The Climb. David Crombie, welcome to The Climb. Hey, thanks for having me. Bob and I are super excited about this one. As as we launch this thing and we talk about crossroads and defining moments, I've gotten to tag along in your career in the oil field services industry, and there's no better climb. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there. I got on the phone with Kara this morning. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Kara is not only one of the most beautiful women you've ever seen in your life, she's put up with his shit since first grade. Yes. They met in <laughs> oh, first grade. Man. Yeah. In Jacksboro, Texas. That's right. So, so this we'll, is gonna be this is gonna be good then. I like oh, yeah. this. I like to kick it off this <laughs> way. Good and bad. <laughs> I've got some dirt. <laughs> but before we dive into that, Crombie, just we're all kind of scratching our heads, right? I mean at the same time COVID was hitting, we get negative oil prices, which still I haven't figured out the math on that, but I'm not very smart. Just tell us in the industry, like what's the sentiment? What's going on? Is there light at the end of the tunnel? Does Wall Street come back around? Like, what are we looking at? Well, what I would say is from my standpoint, the way I view it is there's two problems. I mean, oil, you know, we we get very good at what we do and we we have too much oil and that's that's one problem and then the covid's another problem that's separate from that and so i think when we come out of covid we still have an oil oil and gas problem that's not solved and it's to me you know i i don't want to be negative but i think it's a three three year deal three to four years or something like that before it turns around and it's just all supply and demand and that's that's kind of where we're at but i think there's some that can might, might blame more on covid but it, to me, it's just a supply and man situ- demand situation, and I think that that's that's where we're at. And so, really, that's a that's a global issue too. Yes. I mean, until we can figure out independence. Yes. And so, having been overseas, yep. we'll get into that Saudi Arabia. I mean, give us a, your your global perspective on that too. Well, I mean, I think those guys, their economy depends solely on that, and they're gonna they're gonna do whatever they can to make that be in their favor. Uh, the United States has gotten so good at what they do in the in these shell plays that I think that basically, you know, is not what they counted on. And so I think they're doing things to make it back in their favor every chance they get. So until there just has to be a correction in general in the whole oil and gas industry until there is, it's going to stay the way it is. And so when you think about Saudi Arabia, you think about Russia, you think about Venezuela, and then you think about the United States, like, I'm not going to say when, but how how do we how do we change the game a little bit? Because we seem to repeat this supply demand problem on a, not necessarily every five years, like you can't plug it like that, but it's, it's a cycle that we seem to not always be able to figure out. Yeah. But I, what I would say now is you, is the shell plays have changed that again to where it's now it's a matter of turning on the tap or turning it off. So until, you know, I don't think Saudi Arabia is necessarily going to run out of oil anytime soon or Russia, but I don't think that Saudi Arabia has what they claim they have anymore. And I think that uh, as soon as it starts to turn around in a little bit, we're going to get we're going to get right back after it and start adding rigs. And then, you know, here you go. The problem starts to come in the next few years. And it, it's just a matter. But if supply, you know, if demand comes back and we can we can balance that better, which I believe there is a happy medium. So as, as COO of Nine Energy, vertically integrated oil field services company, 
what divisions have surprised you in the way that they've done in all of this and what divisions are suffering because of this? Well, surprisingly, my old company that, you know, mine and Cody and Cole's old company uh, depends on drilling 100%, and it has it has survived probably the best of any of them right now, uh, and that's very surprising to me. But we also are in a class there that we're competing with the Halliburton's of the world and, and people like that. So I think that while it's surprising, I think that as, as what we've lost a lot of competitors that we're not very good. And when it comes back, we're going to be in a better shape. But there's really nothing, there's no rhyme or reason as to what's going on from a co- competitive landscape because it's just, you don't know who's going to, the next private equity is going to put money in this company and the company's supposed to go broke. And, and then all of a sudden they have another, they get another lifeline and here they go. And you didn't anticipate they were going to be in the competitive landscape anymore. And so it's just not what you expected. So it's basically, it's, it's very hard to figure out. I would say private equity keeps pumping money in different different service lines but it, at the same time there's got to be an end of that at some point where there's a, a moment to where they just quit doing that you mentioned private equity i know there's been a lot of involvement in the industry there lately how is that how do you think that's affected the industry in general well in some cases i don't think it's good because there's companies that it, the reality is they need to go away and you, you find a private equity, there's a lot of private equity money out there right now. And so they find something like that and they and, and then they start thinking that they're gonna do better than the last guy that that had it and it and it just kind of kicks the can down the road. And I think that's bad for the industry in some ways, but at the same time, I think there's gonna be a point where they just go away. I mean, there's just no after two or three times of that, it's gotta go away and, and, and then things will be better. Well, there were better part of a century where oil and gas did just fine without private equity. That's right. So, you know, I, I agree with you on that. And to give you an idea, whenever we whenever we started Crest pumping in South Texas, which is another story, you know, it there were 13 cementing companies down there and probably 10 of those backed by private equity. And I think there's three of us left. And mm-hmm. that's the, the whole landscape down there. That's it. So it's a pretty strange deal, but there's – there's always money out there. It seems like to to get the next thing going, and but right now, you know, I'm not sure if they keep doing it or just stop at some point and say, hey, you know, we're we're not going to lose money anymore. So, well, it's it's kind of like a good analogy. Somebody told me the other day. It's like you know when you're playing sports in middle school or high school, like everybody thinks. I can play major league baseball. Yes, sir. But then reality hits and you're like, you know what? I stopped growing at five, nine. My fastball won't go any faster than 87. I'm not going to the big leagues. Private equity lets you keep believing that dream, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned Cody and Cole. Yes, sir. The Ortowski family. That's, uh, That's where we met. I can remember the day I pulled up to the Ortec shop in Gainesville. Bob, Gainesville is uh, a town up in Cook County, right basically on the border of Oklahoma. You can see the Red River. And uh, I see Cody standing there, who I'd known very well. And this, and this, I got I got to imagine you're in like a real nice sport coat too. I'm just putting the whole picture together in my head. You know, I made that mistake the first time I went up there. That would have been a mistake. And uh, almost got my ass whipped at the pub for dressing like that. Um, so no, I uh, I think I was jeans, boots, you know, golf shirt, dressed like these guys. And um, and I see this just monster of a guy standing next to Cody, which you can see. I mean. David's not a small man. And uh, and I'm like, God damn, who the hell is that guy? <laughs> and just this intimidating person, and you sh- go shake his hand, your hand just gets swallowed. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm David Crombie, and uh, we're starting a cement business, and I hear you're the guy I need to talk to. <laughs> and that just launched uh, not only – I was talking to Kara about this this morning. It, it's rare in life when – you start out business and then friendship overtakes it, but business just gets to keep on occurring. Correct. And so I really do appreciate that about you. But yes. that was day one. But walk us back, because this, this gets real interesting. You you get out of high school in yep. Jacksboro. Uh-huh. 
I, I think there was a little bit of a of a college. Yeah, not much to speak of. Not yeah. much to speak. Of. Yeah, you know, yes. whatever. <laughs> you were learning, and and then you was the first job with Halliburton. Yes. So I guess I think probably nineteen ninety four into ninety three somewhere in there. You know, I was going to uh, Tarleton State down in Stephenville, and and it was not a very good situation because I just wasn't built for school. It didn't seem like, and uh, so I, I basically I I remember I didn't even go take my finals. I said, you know, the hell with this. I'm this is not for me, and I left. And at that time, you got to remember, my my dad had worked for Halliburton for probably at that time twenty years or twenty five, whatever the timing was, and my my father in law had two, and. Uh, so I went and I thought, hell, I'll just go to work for Halliburton and see what happens. And so I went and I applied for a job in Jacksboro, where I was from. And they said, ah, you can't work with your dad, so you have to go to Abilene. So I said, all right, well, I've never been to Abilene, as crazy as that sounds. I've never been to Abilene in my life at that point. So I said, I'll take the job. And and at that time, uh, I moved out there and went to work. And that was in, in I guess it was 94. So I just went to work driving a bulk truck. And didn't know anything about the oil and gas industry, nothing other than I needed to make money, you know, and I needed a job and I needed a career. So when I did that things, you know, at that time you got to understand there was not the shell plays and there was basically, unfortunately the, the, the guy's place I took had passed away. He that's, that's how unlikely it was to get a job at Halliburton in that, in that specific time frame. So I went to work and and it just so happened is about the time I probably about a year after I went to work probably call it six months things started to pick up and so I was able to move up and at that time you had guys driving a bulk truck cement pump truck for 20 years and here I am 21 years old you know and it just so happened and I had some guys mentors along the way in, in Halliburton that that you know that we took a liking to each other and they helped me out and and I was able to move up somewhat decently quick and I was kind of willing to go anywhere because at the time I was single. And so I did that and I worked in the Permian Basin a lot, you know, anywhere from Abilene to Hobbs to down to Sonora up to, you know, almost Oklahoma. So then it took a turn and I went, I decided to go back to Jacksboro and I went there probably about a year. And then Halliburton, I think, said, hey, we want you to come dunk, dunk in Oklahoma. So I went up there for probably another year or so. And, and I mean, this wasn't my favorite place to be. And so I said, look, I'm going to go back to Texas and I, you know, whether it be with Halliburton or not, didn't know what I was going to do if it, that they said no. So I went back and, uh, got back on at Abilene. Well, that was about in 97, I guess. Well, things, if I don't know if, if you look back, I think it was in 98, things went bad again in the oil field. So I decided, and, and at that time, Karen and I were about to get married and we, as most people know, we had a child on the way already, and we decided we won't live back in Jacksboro. And so, I took a job in Saudi Arabia of all places. And uh, so, hey, honey, I know our yeah. child's coming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm going to go look at some sand. Yeah. So, I went over there, and that was quite the experience, you know. And I'd always wanted to do it, but it, it wasn't a good situation. I actually stayed over there two and a half years, and it wasn't a very good situation as we got married and, and, you know, I was missing everything at home and it was 35 and they tell you it's 35 and 35 when you sign up for it. But by the time you get back, it's 39 and 31. So it's just a long time, you know? And so albeit very good experience, I did that about two and a half years and I was just done and no education, no nothing. So I, it was basically all I, all I knew at that time. And so at that point, it, it, it probably was around 1999, and I said, hey, I'm going to try. And so my, my dad had worked offshore in the Gulf Coast, and he said, hey, I think I can get you, help get you on down here. So he did. And I went down there, and I think I went down there for training. And this by this time, you got, you know, things were still bad, if, unless you were in the Gulf Coast or over the Middle East or somewhere international. And uh, along that time, I was out at the Jacksboro Country Club of all places in a mutual a, a friend of mine and Ronnie Wartowski's said, Hey, I know this guy wanting to put a cement yard in Jacksboro, Texas. And I'm like, you know, by, by this time I'm ready to do anything. And, uh, I'd been looking and I just didn't ever find anything. And so I called him and I guess that was in probably 
January of 2000. And uh, he said, hell, I'm busy, but I'll come over Saturday and visit with you. And I'm thinking, all right, well, this, you know, this doesn't sound very formal, but I'll give it a <laughs> shot. So, so, so he and Cody come over on Saturday and Cody just graduated ACU and, and uh, we sat down and had a glass of tea and visited and, and, uh, and, and there's a lot of funny stories, this, and, and Ronnie would tell this on me all day long, but I said, you know, he, 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 we made a deal, so to speak. And, and he, but we, there was nothing, you know, I mean, we're, we're going to start this company. And I mean, when you're 25 years old and you don't, you know, it's just, there's not much I knew about doing that. And so, and, but Halliburton had shut down. So I knew there was kind of a void there to some, some point, you know, but so I said, all right, we make a deal. Well, we shake hands and we leave and i'll never forget i asked ronnie i said so what what days off do we get around here and he said well we don't have them and i thought well (laughs) (laughs) that's interesting (laughs) i said well okay i'll I'll go ahead you know so anyway i i went over there and i went i went to work for with him and and cody and and at that time cole was still in high school and and you know i get over there and you got to so so my dad, my father-in-law, and and myself. It was Halliburton career, and that's all you knew. And you grew up in a town where that was the employer, so people didn't really want to leave that security. Although it's probably not the security you thought it was. So so I I told him I said well, we got a deal. So I but I never quit my job. So I go over there and uh, I just got cold feet, and I called him. I said look. We'll try to back out of this deal I made with you. I said, I'm going to go back to work at Halliburton because I just, it just doesn't feel right, you know. And so I, the, the more I thought about it, you know, it was an interesting thing because he had, he had, I don't know that he had approached anybody else, but he had talked to some other people about doing this. And I had that on my mind too. And so I went down there to Louisiana, to Louisiana and I'll never forget I was in Homa and they said, you you have to go on this job tonight. And uh, so they, they dispatched me down to uh, Fushan, which is a port down there where, you know, everybody flies in and out of, and they said, "Hey, no helicopters. You got to ride a boat." I said, "All right. Well, I you know, in the Persian Gulf, I'd ridden a boat all the time, so I didn't think <laughs> much about it. But there's a lot of difference. You know, it's 115 foot, and you can see the rig from the land over there, and all this. Well, this is for 45 minutes. They said, so I get on this boat, and this turns into a four-hour boat ride. And I'm talking. I thought the boat was going to break in half." Please God, if I ever get me out of here, I'm quitting this thing and I'm, I'm done. I don't care what I, you know. What size were the swells? You think? Oh, I have no idea. It's, it's but you know, it, it was so big that it it turned into a four hour boat ride, and we get out to the rig, and he said, "You got one shot." And I said, "What?" He said, "They're going to lower that personnel basket, and if you can't get on it, we're going back to shore." And I thought, "There's no way I can take this boat ride against so them. I'm going to do everything I can to get on this." On this on his personnel basket you know so i did and i got up there and i finally got my you know my balance my legs back did they get you a bigger personnel basket no than most but people? You, you ride on the outside so it's just okay. like hanging on a rope you know it's not a big deal but so anyway i did that and i thought you know i'm done and uh and it was just the it was the biggest it, it was the biggest turning point in my life probably because it was like you know you got to go do this because this this isn't for you and so when, the next morning they said hey the job can't we didn't even do a job and they, it canceled and they said we're going to send you in a helicopter and i'll never forget i got in my pickup and uh i called ronnie and i said hey if that deal's still on i'm on my way back and this was hell i don't know if it was noon or whatever during the day and i literally drove from fushan and i was on a frack job with cody i think i don't know if cole i don't remember if he was there or not the next morning and that's where it all began and 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 you know it was just a it was the craziest thing because had that not happened, I'd have probably still been there at Halliburton, you know. So a couple couple of questions on that real quick. One, had had Kenzie been born? Oh yeah. She okay. Was born in so, yep. so when you're, you know, on a damn barge that's about to break in half, yeah. you got terrible. waves as high as you can see. I mean, it, that you're living for a new purpose at yeah. this point, yeah. right? There you go. Yeah. yeah. And uh in, in talking to to Sweet Kara this morning, I said, Hey, give me Give me one word. You know, you've known this guy since first grade. You've been married for what twenty two ish years. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Happy anniversary. Well, congrats. I said, give me one word that describes your husband. And she said, devoted. And, you know, I think that's that's the absolute perfect example right there. When you're looking, you know, life right in the face, 
And you said, to hell with this. I'm, I'm going with the Ortowskis. Another thing she told me was, when you told Ronnie, hey, I'm, I'm going back to Halliburton, he's, he said to himself and probably to Cody, too, he'll, he'll be back. Oh, yeah. I think he knew. So but how did the Ortowski family know you? Had they heard about you in Jacksboro? How, how did that meeting even come yeah. together? One phone call. That's it. Wow. Yeah. Pretty strange deal, really. Yeah. The one phone call. I just, you know, I was wanting to do something so bad, and, and I had a little bit of you know, the deal was, is as I moved on at Halliburton, I, I was, you know, I was making good money and I realized that I was close enough to some people I knew that had been there 20 years. And I was like, you know, hell, what, what do you have to look forward to if you're that close to these guys and they've already been there this long? And I thought, you know, worse comes to worse, maybe they'll hire me back, you know, is what my thought process was. Or other, you know, I mean, some of their peers or competitors yeah, or whatever, somebody, big, I mean, big other publicly yeah. traded companies. So, yeah. So you decided to to branch out with the Ortowski yeah. family. And oh, this was 19... It's 2000. 2000. So February okay. of 2000, yeah. And so job number one was what? Oh, gosh. So I had a friend uh, that I had worked with at Halliburton, and he had... Halliburton had closed, and so he had gone to work as handling some uh, the drilling for a man named Hunter Ennis. I don't, he's yeah, Fort Worth. Sure. Yeah, and uh so he said, hey, I'll, you know, I'm going to let you do our work, you know. I'm like, all right, well, that sounds, we need it. So so he did. He gave us the work, and I'd, I'd never heard of Hunter Ennis in my life, you know. And, and he, at that time, there was not a lot going on. And you got to understand, this was, the Barnett shell was coming, but we didn't have a clue what was coming for real. And at that time, uh, you think about the BJs, the Halliburtons, and the Slumberjays of the world, they were it. And nobody in our area, at least, had ever done what Ronnie was wanting to do. And so you're skeptical of that, and everybody around you is skeptical, so it doesn't give you much confidence to do this. But, you know, finally, I'd been put in a situation where it's got to sink or swim, it's got to work. And so he started, you know, Hunter, he, he gave us work on, I, th I believe he had four rigs running. And that at that time, that doesn't sound like much, but when there's, there's two people doing it, it's a lot of work. So... We literally, I mean, I would drive the truck out there and do the job and and uh, and go, you know, <laughs> do what do everything associated with it, you know. And and uh, I, I remember I told Rusty Lawrence, which he just recently passed away, and his his memorials tomorrow. He, uh, I said, you know what? I said, will you call that office and tell him that you're not getting any, giving us any more work if, if I don't get some help? He said, yeah, I'll do that. And he did, and, and and I'll never forget, Ronnie said, hey, let, we need to hire a couple of people because we need to be able to do that work over. And I said, well, that's fine. So I hired some people. And so from that point on, it was kind of where that started, and then we started to pick up more work, and then we started to do more and more. And we didn't get big by any means right there at that point, but it really we really started to realize it was going to work. you know. And then and if you fast forward a little bit, then here comes, here comes the Barnett Shell. And, you know, after that, it was – really exploded for sure so when you made that change i mean you you mentioned you know there was these three main people doing this what made you go i believe in this group i believe in is you, you said his name's ronnie right like this is who i want to go with what made you believe that was it well i i don't guess i really knew it, you know more of a leap of faith than anything and i think you know i there were some things that, that i wasn't sure about you know obviously and and i think there were some things that i thought you know surely we can figure out something and I, to be honest i never i thought man i can i can get this going back to where i could kind of make a living like i was overseas and i can stay at home and and everything will be good and then you know lo and behold here comes 200 and something rigs in the barnet shell over a period of years and, and that landscape certainly changed so i think in the beginning to answer your question it's just a leap of faith and i hey we, we hit it off i mean you know i mean it's been you know ever since it's been a good relationship so, Bob, because you hadn't met him, Ronnie, especially back in, in the day, is every bit as big as David yeah. and every <laughs> every and probably way more intimidating yeah. back yeah. then. I mean, yeah. he's he's like the John Wayne of the Barnett yeah. Shale. Yeah. And just, but just like just salt of the earth, though, I mean. unbelievable human being. So I could get that it was probably a gut feel, a handshake like I, this is a good family. Yeah. You know, Cody is 
didn't, I mean, the apple didn't fall far from the tree, just as sharp as a whip, you know, just a serial entrepreneur, mind works a million miles an hour. Like I could see you seeing that yeah. immediately. Yeah. But after like two weeks, I mean, were you thinking like, what did I do? Oh, they, yeah. they really, there isn't a two day years off. I, was I, thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they, they, they do not like their day, Bob, to get together as a family, not to break bread and watch the kids play in the pool is Saturday. They all go up to the office to talk about the week. I yeah. mean, there really are, besides church on Sunday, there is no time off. Yeah. It's 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 a work ethic that we need more of, quite yeah. quite frankly. Yeah, it, it was uh it was certainly, you know, but I think a lot of people wouldn't I, I will say I don't think people would probably not many people would would have lasted with them yeah i just you know i don't i don't believe that so but uh, you know but they also they could also run people off too right i mean they saw saw something in you no 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 but they they saw something in you which is we yeah you know when you when you start working with the ortowski family and and they don't run you off you become part of the family right that's right that's right I mean, you would like Ronnie's a, a father figure oh, yeah. kind of guy, right? Oh yeah, no doubt. You know, he was very instrumental in mentoring me in many, many ways, uh, and just on a personal level too. I mean, there's nothing, nothing better, nothing bad I can say about anything about the family at all. I mean, it's it's been a wonderful experience for me. See, Bob, that's how this shit works in Texas, man. It's a handshake. <laughs> you join a family. You pick up a dad and a couple of brothers. Yeah. And you go make a bunch of money. Oh, shit, I, mean, I might be moving. I might be moving down then. Hey, all you people from out of state need to stay out. There's too many. I see, oh, I'm seeing boy, way yeah. too many out of state license plates right now. But no, you know, it, you got to think. You know, a guy coming from Halliburton was my deal, and I, you know, companies like that have hundred. The, the, the resources are just unlimited. Sure. And I remember I called Ronnie or Cody one day, and I said, "Hey, what about this?" And he's like. I don't have, a, I don't know. What do you mean? I said, well, I don't know where to get it. And he said, well, I don't either. And I'm thinking, man, all right. So whatever it was, if some chemical we needed. And I mean, you know, I had never ran across that. And so it just gives you a, a different perspe- perspective on what it's like to be an entrepreneur and, and the things that they go through. It's just totally different. And so for me, it was a transition. You know, a lot of people can't make that transition. And so he really they really helped me through that you know and and i would say that as you move on not only in the oil and gas industry but it's a thing to where hey there's there's resources out there but you have to go find them and they're not going to come to you but i just remember that specifically it's like we're just going to find it and we're going to do it and that's a that's a way different perspective than a lot of people have ever ran across you know I was going to say that's that whole approach is something i think that you know joking earlier mike i mean i think it's been lost a little bit i mean that that work ethic that go out and make yourself. I mean, I, I definitely feel that in a lot of respects that, you know, in our society today, that's being lost, you know, or it's, it's done with back breaking 18 hour days. It's hotter than shit. You're dodging rattlesnakes. I mean, it, it's not like inventing an app no. and then it goes IPOs for $200 million and you're, no. you know, as rich as you can possibly. It is back breaking work. Yeah, I thought that's what we were doing with this podcast, Michael. Just talking to people, and we're going to sell for a couple hundred million and be done. <laughs> if that happens, I'll give you half. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I got to go back to this for a second. Back to to Kara. When when did she get on the radar? And you thought, oh, okay, man. Well, hell, I mean, I think she and I went through a phase. We were good friends, you know, and I think that's one a very positive thing but I, I think we went back and forth to where it seemed like that timing never lined up she might like me and i might like her for a little while and then you know you're doing other jillion other things when you're that age and then you know as time went on it just kind of lined up and i think you know she's been a good you know a good partner and that's how that you know we've been i could tell you that you know when you think about things i couldn't do half of what i do without her I mean, that's just, that's just the way I feel. So now if you, you know, if you don't have that, that home base, like we were talking about earlier, Uh 
and that that true north right i mean yeah. bob we talked about this on another one of our podcasts like our our wives our fiancés and in, in bob's case ability to just call our own bullshit oh, yeah. you know and you've you've worked through some deal and you run it by her and she slices it like swiss yep. cheese and you're just like how in the world do they know us so yeah. well yeah and, and fox you know our ceo yeah. of nine she and i both joke because her we feel like you know our her her husband and my wife hear so much about nine that we feel like she could they could you know one or the other could run it you know if something <laughs> happened to us because it's just if you don't have that support you're not gonna it's, it's not gonna be good you know yeah that's exactly right so okay so things are taken off in the barnett shale mm-hmm. there's light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. money's starting to come in companies growing this is this is pump co at the time that's right okay and so then you're in charge of the cement division yes, is that right that's right okay and so kind of walk us through how that all went down and then how you ultimately ended up splitting off to run crest okay so the barnett shell took off and you know you we started out with one cement pump is that's how you know, pump go got going in, in that time frame there. And so as the Barnett shell grew, I believe, and I, you know, somebody listening to this might be cor- correct me, but as time went on and we really realized where we were at and what was going on, you know, we really started putting some cement pumps out and we, there were, I, I believe there was 226 rigs running probably in the Barnett or something like that. And we serviced 95 of those. And and we did that probably with half the people what people were servicing 40 with and that's a market share yeah and it, it was just an amazing thing and and i i mean i can remember just people getting through with jobs and i'd say stay right there because i know that you know there's a drilling rig a mile down the road probably that needs you and we'll we'll, we'll get you over there and it so it was the craziest thing and, and and we never dreamed we would have that market share and and it just took off and 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 by then you know we had already done started we'd already started the frack side of things and and cody was running that and that was crazy i mean that you, you just can't imagine because at that time we had a bulk plan and, and and people that know a lot about the cement business will appreciate this but the bulk plan was in gainesville we were in jacksboro and the rigs were in fort worth basically call it fort worth and so ronnie and cody would actually they would work on seam or frack pumps all day long trying to get those running and then they'd be trying to load cement all night because we just that's just how we were doing things. And finally, we got a, a boat plant in Jacksboro, and that that helped things out. And so we did that, and I think and probably around, let me see, 2005, I believe, we became part of SCF Partners out of Houston. And then I call it, you know, they added a few frat crews, and we kept rocking along in cement, and I probably call it another eight, 12 to 18 months, we, we got bought by complete production services. So – at that time, you know, we just kept moving along. And I mean, I think, and Cody went off and did, you know, this, the water transfer deal and, mm-hmm. and Ronnie and I stayed there. And I think, so t- as time went on by 2011 or 10 or 12, 10 or 11, we had about 14 frat crews running across the U S and so quite a big operation, you know, we, the cement never grew. And that was one of my deals is I was a cement guy. I mean, I understood frack and, and worked in that and, but I just, you know, through and through was a cement guy. And so as time went on, I realized that there was an opportunity to do that. And com- they were not, they weren't interested in that because they had their hands full trying to grow the frack business. And, you know, looking back, that was the right thing for them at the time. At the, but at the, at the time when they wouldn't grow the cement business, I was, I was pretty pissed off because I thought, you know, hey, uh, there's this market out here we could be doing. And so I think around in 2011, I know in 2011, I went down to a customer's office and uh, they said, "Hey, we want to we want you to go to Cement in South Texas." And I said, "All right." So I left there and I went back and I, you know, we had a, the 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 president of Complete. I talked to him about it and he said, "We're not interested." Why not? Well, that's my question. I think and he said, "We're not." And I said, "You know, I told Ronnie, I said, well, I'm interested in it.'" And uh, so along about June of, of 2011, you know, we kind of had already figured out that, that we were going to, you know, Cody and Cole and I were going to go in the cement business. And and so I told, you know, Pumpco, or, and I said, hey, we're, 
I'm, I'm going to leave, you know. And so, but I didn't leave till the following February. She got to remember, he said, you know, we're not interested in going to South Texas. So, and I mean, the numbers were big and this was a place to be. And so about the time we got a several million dollars of equipment down there i understood why he didn't want to go to south texas because it was a it was a hard cement market and and it was just it was just not something that everybody could do and i mean this i, I was actually scared when i got in there because it, it was just not what i expected so so anyway back we we started crest and gone down there and, and put in a yard in pleasanton and and we're starting to work and we had the yard in jacksboro and and, and about two months into it you know these these jobs down there are very, very, very technical. And so I, I told Cody, I said, we got to, we got to, this is a real deal. We got to hire engineering and, and lab, you know, we have lab techs and all this kind of stuff. So we did, and, and we were very successful there, but it was a big surprise to me because I'd been working the Barnett Shell and it was a different market. And uh, it, it was just a total new ball game. But what it did do is make us better. And so from there, I mean, so 2012, I think February one, we started Crest, and you were there. We added stuff daily. Oh God, you remember the the I mean, spreadsheet was? I think it blew up on yeah. my laptop nineteen times. Yeah, and so every morning when you got up, I mean, you, you, I don't think the the uh, general person could understand what's going on there. I right. mean, it's you know, it's we went from from well we had 40 employees when we started we went from that to probably 329 i believe in 29 months good god oh wow and it was rocking and rolling and so you know in my mind i knew that we had a we had a certain time frame to get this done and we intended to sell the company but we didn't intend to sell it and just dump it i mean that, that was never my intention i wanted it to be a good company that as it is today and so we did but we we put out a cement pump every month for for 20 something months. I mean, it was just insane. And so it, it was, there was a lot going on, but we had a lot of good people. And you got to understand, I mean, I have people that, that I went to the first grade with also that work with me. And so a great team, everybody devoted and, and here we went and that's how we did it. Bob, you know how with our, with our clients, especially during the onboarding process, we'll set up like open items calls. And they might, depending on the complexity of the risk, and they might be once a week or once a month. We were on the phone like four times a day. Yeah. Just making sure, making sure that no balls had been dropped. It was unbelievable. Yeah. You, it, we're adding stuff every day. I mean, it was crazy. So during that, I mean, obviously rapid growth in that time, what were some of your biggest challenges you ran across in managing that growth? You know, for me, I was focused, and I mean, that, that was you, you had it to do. I mean, that's that's the way I felt about it. And and some of the biggest challenges I always are people, uh, but we had that kind of figured out because I started with a team of people that we'd been together for quite a while, and they they wanted to do the same thing. And so I think as time went on, you know, as you grew and you grew out of those people. And you start to get different people, which hey, we we along the way. I mean, we have some people have joined that team that are, you know, still with us today and phenomenal people that I, you know, that that I want to continue to have on my team. But I think it was more of a people and just getting things, equipment, and getting things built and getting the work. I mean, that, like in South Texas, and I keep talking about that. But one of the things that hurt us there was there's a lot of companies that went there and they said we're going to do this, this, and this, and then they did this and they were gone and they didn't do it. And we really went down there and said, hey, we're going to do this and this, and we're going to have this many trucks. And we did it. And so it took a while for people to, the customer to say, hey, these guys are for real, and they're really going to do what they say. Bob, you know, you go look at these yards. I remember going down to to Pleasanton, just south of San Antonio, uh, kind of when you'd said, hey, you need to come check this yeah. out. And Talk um, about a leap of faith, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> Everybody talks about the the border being uh, Laredo, but it's really San Antonio. Mm -hmm. I mean, all billboards go to Spanish. All your radio stations go Spanish. It's 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 a different world. And what blew me away, and I want you to talk about this because I think it's it's something that doesn't get talked about enough in in the oil field service space, was not just the infrastructure because that was impressive, but when you go in. To the lab, yeah. I mean there there is a lot of science around 
the makeup and the complexity and the purity of cement, right? So I walk into this lab, and I mean, it's like you <laughs> you look it's like, like a hospital almost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all in lab coats, but they they all look like they could either be working for you yeah. or you know working for the cartel. Yeah. I mean, it, it was just this mind blowing. Like, oh my God. Yeah. And they're walking around with beakers. And I mean, yeah. and I'm going, what in the heck? I thought we were just making some cement down here. So yeah. talk about that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so my experience with that was was about like yours, probably, because I'd been in the cement business, but I'd never, you know, I'd never, I, I just knew we, you know, Halliburton had a lab and they just sent a sheet of paper and said, here's what's going on. And so we get this lab in a box and I tell this, we hire this lab tech who's been still this day, but he, he comes to work from Halliburton too. And I said, here's our lab. And he's like, okay. I said, you know, it's, we're out in a trailer. I said, we'll put it together. He said, well, I don't know how to put it together. So lo and behold, he started, he's sleeping up there and he, he gets again, then, you know, he gets it all together. And, and that, that was before. And then we got the yard built and the lab you saw, you know, it, it was just, if you think about the complexity of it, you, you go down to South Texas and you're call it 350 degrees down hole and so you you have to have that and so we were fortunate we hired the guys that that really knew that area and knew a lot about it and they knew how to set that up and now the joke is it's almost like when we go set up a new lab in a new yard it's like opening a new mcdonald's or something they just know what they do and they go do it and that's that's how they you know how we how we move in you know but it is just it's a very complex thing and it's something that you have to have that if you don't you're not you're not going to make it. I mean, it's that it's that simple. Was that not being in the the world that you guys live in there? You know, is that what you were saying earlier? The difference between where you were doing it and then going down to South Texas is that it? It's just more challenging, more engineering yeah, to it. Way more technical. I mean, you got to have. I mean, not to say you don't. You, you do lab tests in other areas, but it's just not as critical to where. I, I mean, I'll I'll never forget. I. I'll mention some, there were some guys I went over, friends of mine. I said, "Hey, you know, we got all these well." I said, "I'm just a nervous wreck." You know, we got at the time 18 cement pumps out, and I lay down at night and I don't know what's going to happen. They said, "Well, your problem is, is you need to lay down at night and think about how much money you're making, <laughs> not what's going to happen." Bad. I said, well, pretty good perspective, yeah. I guess. <laughs> Bob, when, when things were really humming, I mean, I'm talking like growth that you just can't, you can't even really wrap your arms around how fast this thing was growing. And, you know, we weren't having three or four calls a day. It had, you know, it stabilized a little bit, at least on my end. And, and I called, called David up and I said, Hey, you know, it's been two weeks since we talked, how you doing? (laughs) And he said, you know, man, I'm pretty stressed out. And I said, I can hear it in your voice. I mean, tell me what's going on. He said, my ears are ringing. <laughs> I, I mean, my wife, you say that. I've been real. Uh, look, we, you can't live 40 plus years on this planet and not have some really stressed out moments. I'm not so sure though, that my ears have actually yeah. ever rung. Yeah. I mean, talk about managing that stress. Well, I mean, for me, yeah. Some reason I handle stress pretty good. Now, now, you know, certain people might be listening that would just kind of let. I mean, what I would say is I handle it well, but I don't stop thinking. You know, I mean, it's like bad problem. You know, you it's just racing all the time, and so. But at the same time, I think that's what helps you handle stress because you're kind of prepared for what's going to happen. You know, in my opinion. But to me, that I just knew that we had to get that to a certain point, and I didn't. I felt like there was a time limit to where I, I, I'm not saying I could predict the oil field was going, you know, the oil and gas industry was going to go south like it did in 15 to some degree, not like it did now. But I just knew that we had to get ourselves to a finish line and get our company with someone else who had a different financial structure than us. Not to say there was going to be problems, but it just was going to be a better situation. And there's sometimes in these companies that, and, and and Cody would tell you this, and ever, and Ronnie and Cole. But every time you get to there's there, you run out of running room. You know, you run out of. There's a certain time you get there where you got to do something different, and that doesn't mean anything negative. But if you're going to take it to the next level, you either got to. It's a whole new arrangement, and, and things change, or or you need to sell the company. And 
and get with somebody who, you know, the what I've learned through the years is there's certain people that can start companies, there's certain people that there's private equity that buy them, there's people that can take them public, there's you know all those things that go with it, and I think we were just at that point to where we needed to do that, and it got that way, and yeah, managing that stress is terrible. I mean, you know, I I don't know, but it's it's something that I I always felt like was temporary. It would get you to the next spot, and then it's okay. So. You know, for our listeners, I mean, again, managing stress is a big part of either success or failure. What did you do to to manage it? I mean, was it was it working out? Was yeah. it spirituality? Yeah. Was it? Well, you know, I I mean, I religiously work out, and I mean, I think that's because you know, at that time, I you know, I was, was hooked up with some trainer, and I mean, you're working, you're you're trying not to die during the workouts, <laughs> you know, so you forget about all that, you know, <laughs> so that gets it off your mind, but. You know, I mean, I think once I'm home, I kind of, I will leave it at the office, so to speak, for the most part. And, you know, as you're well aware, you know, during that time, Cody and I talked 300 times a day, uh, you know, he, you know, or whoever it may be. And I talked to my wife a lot, but I think once you let somebody, if you just get that off your chest and somebody else is listening to that and you have a different perspective, it helps. But, you know, there's, there's at some point, some stress is just going to be there. You know, I mean, that's just that's just the way it is for everyone. So, when when you made that decision of it's time for us to go to that next level, like I feel like there's a lot of times that people may have too much pride to do that. They say, "Hey, we started this, we grew it to here, we can keep going." What made you say, "You know what? I'm gonna put that some of that pride aside. I'm gonna go do this." I mean, was that at all in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there's several things there. You know, one of them financially, it's it's a good thing to do. And the next thing is, I mean, you know, a lot of people you see, and this is something that I've seen in the oil field and I've been I've experienced it, is is you you see these guys that start companies and they sell them and they just kind of start flaking off. And that's just never been, you know, I learned that from the Wartowski. I mean, you know, hey, let's stay hooked here and let's let's make you know, this is the next deal, you know, and so my deal was is I just wanted to get it somewhere where I could continue to do it, but that burden of you know the financial burden we had was not the same. Uh, it's still there. You need, you still need to perform, but if you could do that, and then you know, I mean, and that's that's what led us into nine, and that's that's uh, that's how that worked. You know. No, I like that. I mean, you know, back to the role of private equity, mm-hmm. and and the role of, and, and I want to hear. Don't let me forget. I, I want to hear what it felt like to stand up there and watch the bell be rung. Cause that, I mean, not many people get to experience that, but right. in, in today's environment now with wall street kind of turning their back, private equity, scratching their head going, mm-hmm. we, we dumped a bunch of money into this. Where is it going? If David Crombie today is talking to, David Crombie that was saying, okay, I don't want to be on this boat anymore. I want mm-hmm. to go work for the Ortowskis. I want to do it the the entrepreneurial family, grassroots money out. You, you know, the private equity is what's in your wallet. Mm-hmm. What would you tell somebody today that's contemplating getting into the business? Oh, right now, you know, it's tough. And I think it's changed. I think it depends on what business they were getting, obviously. Uh, but I do think that you know, so many people, you know, the oil field, for instance, oh, it's easy. You can go make quick money. Well, you just can't throw a bunch of stuff together and expect it to be worth anything. I mean, and I think there's a misconception of that sometimes. And so what I would say is, I mean, if you're planning to do that, you need to have your homework done and be really good at what you do because you see so many people with private equity. They're not, you know, they convince some private equity group, hey, I'm good at this. Well, then, I mean, there's not, in every different service line, there's not but a handful of good companies out there. And, and if you're one of those, hey, get after it but if you're if you're not that kind of operator i would say that i would probably stay on the sidelines so that's that would be my thoughts i mean i don't but there's always somebody there and you know and if you're what i would call if you if you continue to stay in the oil field there's always somebody there that has that and they're nagging at you and that's who can bring good companies down if you're not careful you know because they're lower price and there are no quality in it but you have to match that price a lot of times you know so that's not a good situation sometimes no i think i mean that's that's just a lot to contemplate because there is this this notion right i mean there's been so many books written about it and 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 you know movies made that you know if you're willing to to take on a bunch of risk you can make a bunch of money yeah 
in the oil and gas business. And, you know, for every crest, right, there's a hundred not, yeah. you know. Because it's not easy. No. <laughs> At all. All right. So you replaced the ringing in your ears with the ringing of the bell yep. in New York. Talk about that and how it felt. Well, I mean, if you back up, I think I think it's – so when we, we did the deal with Nine, we had – several companies i mean at that time things were good i mean we we could have done a lot of different things and and so for me i mean and, and su- with support of the Wartaskis, i mean it it kind of felt like home to me to do that with them uh and i liked what they were doing there and so you know if you if you go through all that you know i i met ann fox and uh you know you you meet certain people and and my deal was like i don't know if it's going to work out because you you know in my experience you go from one you have your own company you're going to work for somebody you know you go back and forth and all that kind of stuff and and she she and i already hit it off and i don't want to say that it was just perfectly in the beginning but because i didn't know and i think she didn't know and so by the by the time we had had gone to new york and were able to go public i was able to be involved in some of the other service lines which and and that really helped you know, understand more about nine and what we're trying to do. But along the way, I mean, there was times we, we were going to do that. And then we, we withdrew that and because the market was bad. And, and when we did that, that was pretty, it was pretty neat. I mean, you know, I mean, you think about, I would have never dreamed that I'd be up there doing that, you know, in a million years, I never would have thought of it, you know, never would even cross my mind. I mean, if you'd asked me when I was 21, you're going to ring the bell at the New York Starction. I was like, hell, I don't even know what that is. You know, I mean, so, <laughs> so I mean, to, to go do that was quite the experience. And, and, you know, and, and it's probably something that, you know, at the time there's, I think there's 2,800 companies on the stock exchange. And so, yeah, I mean, I can't say enough. It was, it was pretty unique and, and a really neat. So pretty, pretty cool deal. You know, we talked about this earlier and, and Bob and I spent a lot of time just thinking about this, mm-hmm. like, you know, whether it's COVID-19 or just, you know, the time for the next thing, you've got a moment in time that's creating an old economy and a new economy. And so you think about New York Stock Exchange. I mean, it was this week that Salesforce is replacing Exxon. Like, talk to me about that. Well, I mean, I I think that it's just... You know, I'm no, you know, I'm no stock market expert, but I just think we're in different times that, that we'll, we, we've never seen and we won't see again. And I think that the, that the world is changing, but I also think the world goes back to normal to some degree, more than some think, uh, I think, you know, Hey, commercial real estate probably changes a little bit, but we're probably going to still be interacting the oil and gas like we always have. But I, you know, I think when you think about exxon or some of these people their world's changing too and i think they'll there's going to be a reset button hit you know in a, a moment where they figure it back out and and i i mean i have no doubt in exxon i mean my gosh it's exxon so so some of these other companies i think also they, they've also benefited you know i mean you know you think about amazon or some of these guys i mean my gosh the sky's the limit with everybody getting everything delivered at home and all that kind of stuff so it's just changed the whole landscape of the world in my opinion but i do think there's a normalcy that we come back to because this is not the end of the world so no, I mean, the, the entrepreneurial spirit is not going no. away. We we live and die by it, for yeah. sure. But it is very, very uncertain times and very hard times. Oh, as you, you know, talking even about some of the times now, how have you dealt, you know, it's been interesting talking to some of our people. How have you dealt with kind of the times we're going through and, you know, not only with your, your company, but, you know, family and all that stuff as well? Well, with the company, we know our office has been closed since our corporate offices since March. Uh, the field off field offices we've had to continue on just pretty much like normal and 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 monitor and test you know very closely, but what it's done is it made you realize hey, do we need all this real estate? And if if we you know what we do need the you know things are probably different and you structure things different to where you know do you need a, this many offices versus this many and can you save this much money? And I think that that's a big deal for us. Not so I think that's one thing that does change there, and that's. And for us, I mean, we've operated fine. I mean, we've not seen anything. Oh my gosh, this this is not working because we can't go to the office. I mean, I th- so I think, in my opinion, when it comes back, I think maybe offices are reconfigured where you have more meeting rooms and you go to a meeting and you get thing the face to face stuff over with, and everybody goes on about their business. You know, in in our industry, because this is not a 
we don't punch the time clock and sit there from eight to five anyway to start with. So it's really not mandatory that we sit in office, you know. So, but from a family perspective, you know, we're fortunate we have a place out in the country, and I'm not sure that they know how things are. You know, the city versus the country are way is way different, and so we've been spending all our time out there and, and at, at the lake, and so it's it's been. Actually, it's been a good reset for me, and I've had a pretty good time since since March. So, <laughs> enjoyed it. I've never had. I, I don't want to call it time off because you know you're on the phone all the time, but it's been a nice change for a while. Yeah, it's been it's been interesting to hear how people are, you know, at home spending more time with their kids and their families, and and seeing that they can still get things done, and it's it's strengthening some relationships, which I think is great. And hurting I some. Think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we 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 I was just I was telling uh telling Michael we got a new dog and I mean now I'm just finding ways to escape and go back to yeah. the office. I'm like, honey, I gotta go. I just I don't know what's going on. We got I gotta be in the office. She's yeah. like, I thought you guys were closed, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> no, because she's listening, y'all been open for a while up there in Chicago, haven't you, Bob? No. (laughs) (laughs) And we're, you know, listen to you, you're saying we're in a, you're in a, we're in the country place and I'm, I'm sitting in a little two bed condo here in Chicago, you know, you don't, there's not a lot of room to get away in there. (laughs) So going back to, um, you know, your rock, right? Yep. Kara, your anniversary tomorrow. One of the things that she said this morning when I was picking her brain was that you're the only guy that ever told her no. <laughs> yeah, probably right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I find pretty astounding because, yeah. you know, not that Jacksboro isn't an a, amazing place to grow up and, and be, but I'm not thinking that yeah, there the were just 200 carriers. Demographics are a little different right there, yeah. <laughs> I would say that. No, you know, I think, you know, probably that came from us just growing up together, and I just, you know, yeah, she's always had a way of getting her way, but, you know, I I think maybe I was putting on a little bit of show telling her no, and, and she probably got her way anyway, but, <laughs> uh, you know, she's she's great, and, you know, and, you know, I mean, you got to understand, she was, Kara was a phenomenal basketball player and, and had a lot of good things going on whenever we were young and she was kind of the athlete of the high school and all that good stuff which is great and i think whenever we got together and i was like you know i I just probably at that time was i don't know i mean i was worried about trying to go find a career and do stuff and and so i probably did tell her no or something and it probably sat wrong with her and made her probably want to date me more i guess at that time but but you know it worked out That's all. That's all that matters. <laughs> hey, man. You know, it's like whether it's work or relationships, you got to be willing to yeah. lay it on the line. Yeah, right? you got to take a little risk every mm-hmm. now and then. Yeah. Well, she had a great quote this morning that I think uh, just symbolizes y'all's relationship and your approach to life and how sweet you've been to me and my family. She said, "God opens doors that need to be opened." And it closes. He closes doors that need to be closed, and I just mm-hmm. think that that sums it up so well. Oh, yeah. Y'all's approach to life, the way you've raised your daughter, the way you approach business, your relationship with the Ortowskis—it's just—it's oh, yeah. been fun to watch. Yeah, it's been and a, be a part of. So thank you. It's been a good ride. Yeah. She's just got an amazing amount of respect for how hard you work and how well you support your family. So the world needs more David Crombies. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking one of the one of the things we always uh, ask some of the guests we have on is, you know, if you you think about your passions in life and what you're doing, numbers one and two, a lot of people are saying it's it's family, and then you know your career and your pursuits there. What would you say numbers three and four are for you? Oh man, you know, I'm a pretty boring guy, so. That's, that's, that's pretty tough because what I would say is, I mean, I if I'm not spending time with them or working, that's that's it. You know, I like to go to the lake and I like to do that kind of stuff. But I, I just, you know, but you know, if you think back, you know, all we've done is work for 20 years. So once you get to doing that, you know, you lose any. There's nothing else to go do, you know, and so, so I, you know, I I, I enjoy a lot, you know, spending time with my family a lot, but I. 
you know, as far as that, I've just never had hobbies or anything like that at all. I mean, that's never been something I did. So it's kind of a tough one for me. I don't, I don't, ha- I don't say, well, I'd like to go play golf. I mean, I'd, I'd soon go sit in the office all day before I would play golf. I mean, it'd be, it'd be a terrible <laughs> day that. for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, that sounds crazy, but I just don't, doesn't appeal to me. No, but Bob, a perfect example of that was, um, you know, David and I got to know each other pretty good. And he said, Hey, you need to come just check out Jacksboro and where I grew up, come up here for the day. And there was somebody else I was calling on up there to, to find out what they were doing. And then they had invited me to play golf at the, at the Jacksboro country club. I said, well, Hey David, let's just go play some golf. And he said, well, you can go play golf all you want to. (laughs) I'll see you when you're done. I'm going to the lake. I thought, well, you know, okay, I, let, let's go but check you, out. You can go. Yeah, I mean, you go have fun, and I'll see you, I'll see you afterwards. And I said, no, 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 I'll go to the lake with you. And, you know, growing up in Central Texas, I mean, obviously we had Lake Travis and Lake Austin. That was much more of a, a ski boat kind of lake. And so we start walking down the marina, and David's boat is like, something you'd see in tampa i mean it i was like that's a boat okay have some fun man (laughs) to hell with golf and we went out on this thing and had more fun and ended up back at the jacksboro country club that's right long Uh, day probably oh it was a very long day but uh, no you got you got to grow up in a neat in a really neat town oh yeah there's good people there absolutely so one other question we like to ask on this podcast is that, you know, there's the saying, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm-hmm. You probably heard that. And yep, then I've heard. the other saying is it's not, it's not who you know, it's who knows you. Mm-hmm. So if you're delivering a message and, and another conversation we have a lot is like, you know, if you're thinking forward and you're, you know, you're 85, you've, you've gone to heaven mm-hmm. and somebody's reading your eulogy, like what do you want people to know about you? One thing that's probably not known about me is, is you know, I, I enjoy developing people and helping them more than anything else. You know, I mean, that's just something I've been able to do. And I've had a lot of, a lot of, I've been able to do it a lot and had a lot of success at that in my, in my career and, and brought people to some places that I don't know that they, they, you know, you can't say they may not have been there and all that because they don't owe me anything. And that's not the deal, but in in my career, I just think that, you know, one of the biggest deals, the, the things I've had the most fun with is bringing people to places they never thought they'd be. And I think that's probably because, you know, I mean, I'm not just obviously, I mean, this is a big stretch for me to be on this podcast. So I don't run around talking about any much that I do or anything like that. And those people that have been there with me, they know that. And I think that's probably something that that's pretty close to home that 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 that's been an important thing to me i mean that's one of the things i've enjoyed more than anything well you know that that humility that that humble aspect of you uh just just resonates and it's it's contagious it um having worked alongside you that attitude it, it just made me want to work harder yeah i mean you that's know? and those people do too yeah i mean that's or that's what I found. That's great. Love it. No, I love I love that. I mean, as I sit here and we haven't had the chance to meet, I can just I can see not only the work ethic as Michael mentioned, but the humility and that's a special trait and something you should be damn proud of because it, it shows through like through and through in just a conversation today. So I I've just really enjoyed the conversation. It was so good to meet you and when I'm down in Texas and Michael finally invites me down to the ranch, I'll uh, <laughs> make sure we swing through and yeah. come see that boat. Yeah, yeah. sounds good. <laughs> it's going to be a whole lot of fun. Man. Bring your A game. <laughs> I, know, I know. All I know is that trip, we got a few people to see, and I think I need like a week and a half away. And, you know, Anais is going to be asking, what the hell are you going to do? Don't worry about it, honey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're going to call it a sabbatical. We're yeah. just going to come mm-hmm. down here. We, there's not a beginning or an end. It's just going to be a no, lot of that's fun. That's right. That's right. I love it. Well, look, you know, we, we a lot of this podcast is about perspective. It's about crossroads and defining moments, which Lord knows you've had him. And um, 
you know, and there's a business aspect to it because we're all businessmen trying to do the right thing. Yep. But, you know, just with, with tomorrow being the anniversary, yep. you, what do you want to tell Kara? Oh, man, this is tough. Uh, what I would say is that, you know, I mean, she's been with me forever and uh, been the best partner ever and business-wise and supportive. My God, I mean, uh, sorry. Take your time. I mean, I, th- I think that, you know, you couldn't ask for a better wife is all I would say. Well, she's lucky to have you. She is damn lucky to have you. Have a great anniversary tomorrow. That is that is so great. I love it. I mean, just the, the passion. That That is what it's all about, my friend. When you've got that, you've won. Amen. Yep. Michael, I don't think there's any much more we can say after ending with that. I don't David, thank, that, that thank is you. by far our best ending. Ever. Thank you so much. So yep. much. Really enjoyed it today. Yep. This has been awesome. Sorry. No, God, don't be sorry. <laughs> Here's the deal. But if somebody ever asked me that question, I'd <laughs> I couldn't have answered it any better. I'd I'd have teared up too. I mean we are so lucky to have the women in our lives that we do because it it just it makes those 18 hour days all worth it for sure amen all right beautiful (laughs) thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the climb If you enjoyed the episode, please consider subscribing. And if you know someone who you would think would enjoy the podcast, feel free to share this with them. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.